0: Welcome to 12 Questions. Hi, this is Annabelle Lenzuela with my co-host.
1: Hey, I'm Dave Yates. Good to hear you, everybody.
0: Hello, everybody. The world is on fire. Uh, We'd like to encourage you guys, go ahead and donate to Black Lives Matter, uh, donate to um, Racist Texas. Uh, Not racist, but Racist Texas. Um, We're just uh, holding off the Patreon right now because the world needs money in other places. Yep. Um, <laughs> And uh, things are wild right now, and uh, Dave's going to read you our clarity statement.
1: Yep, and uh, don't forget, there's a, a GoFundMe for George Floyd and his family, so go look that up as well. Uh, and without further ado, the clarity statement. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. It's a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We are not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, or any other 12-step organization. Tall Questions Pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves, we can only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening.
2: Woo!
0: Oh my gosh! I'm very excited about today, um, mostly because I feel like I feel like a real, authentic conversation is in order. You know what I mean? I know we kind of breezed over at the top. Please donate to these things, but um, our heart goes out to everybody affected by everything going on. It's fucked up right now. Stay safe. Um, stay vocal, but stay safe. Um, and without. <laughs> Further ado, I would like uh, our our this week's guest. We always ask people to introduce themselves because the op- the opportunity to stay anonymous on this podcast. So I'd like to bring up our guest.
3: Hi, it's, I'm Rick Wood.
0: Hi, Rick that Wood. Is... Hey,
3: Rick Wood. Oh.
0: Hi, Rick Wood. You are um, one of the funniest comedians out there, and you're also a super talented musician. It's kind of gross how talented you are.
3: It's uh, um, it's bananas. I'm blushing. Well, you should have seen me before you met me. It was a lot of not as talented. <laughs> a lot, lot, lot led up to that. I got a guitar when I was ten, I'm thirty-seven this year. So there was there was a good fifteen years of pure mediocrity.
0: Life similar to mine.
1: So Rick, what kind of guitars do you have behind you to fill to fill oh, a? Oh bit?
3: yeah, to give I, the
1: listeners just a little bit. Uh, Rick is uh, wearing all red, and he is uh, sitting in front of uh, some sound squares that are alternate uh, black and red checker pattern. And there's some some guitars on the ground.
3: Yeah, I didn't even think that the red shirt was going to match the background when I just grabbed whatever I could find this morning. But. Uh, Uh, yeah. One of the guitars is like a 65 silver tone. I got at some resale shop in Highland park for significantly less than what it's worth. And then I had bought it and then boxed it up as like an investment. This is, I had no stock or 401k or any kind of financial sense or retirement planning, but I was like, the guitar is worth twice that. And in 15 years, it'll be worth like twice that. So, uh, if I box it up, that's a sound investment
1: yeah you know what screw a bank account uh screw yeah. a 401k i am very similar in the way where i collect uh i'm a guitar player as well um and uh but i collect screen printed artwork and i funded oh, nice. my move to los angeles on rock concert posters
3: oh so cool. uh, i love that so- netflix doc on those
1: Oh, the rock oh. concert posters? Yeah. yeah. I, it's a deep world. Like, there's just as many uh, nutty folks that collect posters as there is, like, people that collect weird instruments.
3: Oh, cool. That's, uh, uh... What's, uh... Aaron Draplin. I did, like, some graphics design as a side hustle. I don't know, like, a big wealth of information in the world, but... Do <laughs> you screen print? I think must do some. I guess everyone work a lot of people work on desktops now and then you you know, use digital and then print screens from that and stuff, but Yeah, totally. I like his work a bit.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I, we're glad to have you here. Uh, and uh you know, um, we let everybody introduce themselves on this podcast kind of sorta. So up top, like, what do you want people listening to know about you and your career and stuff real quick? And then we'll hop into these questions.
3: Oh, I guess pertinent info would be I grew up in Virginia. Well, from age five to 18. So most formative experiences are from there and then moved around a lot after that and then was in trying to pursue a career or some kind of life in music for a long time, and then sort of stumbled into comedy and got the bug. And that led me to move to Los Angeles, where I've been for the last eight years. All right. And have eight managed years, Steve. to To carve out a decent existence, better than I think I would have if I just stayed in Virginia, <laughs> for sure.
1: Oh, most definitely. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you've been here eight years deep. I'm three years deep out here. And it's kind of funny how uh, a lot of musicians uh, become comedians, uh, you know? And, and for me, like playing guitar for as long as I have, uh, I seems insignificant, but the I used to work a lot on the metronome. And when I'm doing my material, like beats and pauses and spacing, uh, I, I, I run that through the filter of like how I used to play like blues and things like that.
3: Yeah. I think that's like a real uh, good point of just performing. Like when people like, I can't believe, you know, you do music and comedy. I'm like, well, it's kind of, there's a lot of same principles there, like timing and rhythm. I always like to see a stand up and almost universally true for me, uh, comics that are really able to connect and, work well with an audience, regardless of what I think of their material, even they have Mm -hmm. a cadence and sort of sound on stage where I'm like, I could sit down and play these jokes on a piano. Yeah. Greer is a great comic where Mm. I'm like, we could record this and then I could annotate your voice as sheet music and it's musical. There's a rhythm. It wouldn't be a number one hit song based on music consumption, you know, but you'd be like, are those, there's videos of like drummers playing along the like bits from the Simpsons. Yes, and yes, yes. Like, it's like a meme of the internet kind of to do now. And yeah. it, It's like really points out like there's like a rhythm to the writing and performance of this that a musician can understand and you hear it and you go, like, that's a good beat. And it's like, yeah. And, and I, when, when you go deep mind. enough,
1: When you go deep enough in language, I believe like, you know, like poetry and, you know, stanzas and things like that uh, from there is, there is a, a sound cadence that I think lends itself well to being funny. You know, it's just something, it's something to also take into consideration, you know, not just how do I get from point A to point B with a punchline, but like, can I do it in such a way with a colorful enough language where I can use specific words that will, will paint a picture uh, so I don't have to say as much.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Even in like the visual art world, right? If you ask like twelve different visual artists to draw you a pineapple, you're probably gonna get twelve. You're gonna get twelve different feelings from the pineapples, possibly. Yeah.
1: Right. And and just like if you ask a comedian to tell a, a dick joke, you ask twelve comedians to tell dick jokes, are you're gonna have twelve different pineapple dick jokes.
3: Yeah. That would be a fun <laughs> show to put together. We're like, yeah. here's like the main ingredients of a bit. Yeah. Not not the full syntax of it, but like start here, end here, and maybe these things can go in the middle and then see what, you know, ten different comedians come up with. I mean, I
0: already have 12 minutes on pineapple dick jokes. So I feel like, I feel like that would be, (laughs) who books that Rick? Um...
3: (laughs) I have a zoom account. It's a show now. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) love it. Starting next week.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh. Let's get into some questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. These questions are kind of, I don't know if you looked at them, but they're a little on the deep side, but like, how do you experience surrender in your life?
3: Oh, that's a good one. That's a hard one for me because I'm a little bit, I don't think I'm a control freak, but I seek it out because I grew up without any of it. So it's like, anytime you can feel, I think control and safety, people feel comfortable equating those, although it's not necessarily true.
0: And when you Uh, say grew up with no control, you were telling me some stories the other day that inspired me to invite you on this podcast. It seems like you had a real, real fun, rough and tumble childhood.
3: Yeah. The first part was going pretty good. Like a pretty decent, like lower middle class life. Like my dad was like a E five in the Coast Guard when I was born and we, you know, lived in a townhouse in some crappy little neighborhood, went to a decent public school and rode a bike, you know, yeah. things that felt normal and life felt safe. You got a birthday cake, shit like that yeah then my parents split up and my mom was dating this guy who moved in who was like 10 years younger than her and just he did therapy had a truckload of his own problems that he just took out on everyone mm-hmm. else and sure. uh hey, just like have you ever seen sling blade yeah 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 it was like that but uh, carl didn't come around to hack him up with a lawnmower so <laughs> he had to kind of like deal with it and uh a lot of french fried potatoes yeah so that is part of part to me where i like uh you're like god i would like to be able to be in charge of more so that doesn't happen so i always want to like when i feel out of control it's frustrating but now with everything going on lately and just the last year of my life was already weird before a pandemic and then complete civil unrest now i'm just like you know what just gotta let just let it ride. Just be like the water a little bit.
0: Do you mind talking about how it was weird last year?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I got a uh, – me and my wife split up. Okay. Like on the, I went to a comedy festival at the end of February. But everything uh, happens – and I guess everything's happening all the time to someone. But last year, for me, like in the end of February, Brody Stevens took his own life. Yep. And then I wasn't super close with him, but anyone who met him, you felt impact. Just – yeah. The idea that he was around. He was like he was a, a force. Yeah, he was a comedy celebrity to other yeah. comedians, at least. Yeah, um, so that's you know that's just upsetting, and just to see someone doing what you want to do and seemingly making it work, and you find out oh that's not this isn't going to be enough. Yeah. Like I'm going to have to do mm-hmm. the internal work. And so I went to this comedy festival in Iowa, which wasn't terrible, but was you know I was not that fun, and it was cold as hell. And I was just like, Ugh, these are some all right shows and I would be having fun, but I'm tired and drained. I can't wait to just get home. And I get home and my wife picked me up from the airport. She's like, I moved out while you were gone. I don't think things have been working. And I was like, yeah, I've been saying that. Like I thought we should, I kept saying we should like, go to therapy or something or figure something out. And she's like, I think we're just done. So I was like, okay, at least I get to keep the apartment. Uh, and then that wasn't too uh, the terrible. The studio
0: apartment. You were in a studio apartment, sir.
3: Yeah, the no. both of us.
0: Uh uh-uh, oh, that's oh res- recipe for danger.
3: Yeah, it was a good. That was a good marriage and divorce though, because I, none of the plates got broken. You know. Hey, but,
0: yeah, successful. I feel like
3: yeah. I feel like if you can end a relationship that's cohabitive in that long without breaking any dishware, yeah. Pretty, no, yeah, no loud noises or anything. Just kind of fizzled mm. out.
0: Your stuff
3: wasn't on the lawn when you got back? Yeah, no, her stuff was just gone. We're amicable as hell, so that's good. I liken it to, if you've ever been hanging out at like a bonfire, and that moment when the fire's just kind of dying down, and you know the party's over, and people are just sort of peeling off, and then finally someone just gets that bucket of water, and you're like, I guess this is the only thing left to put on the fire, huh? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, we had that. And then uh, I had adventures in dating, which were uh you know I spent a good chunk of the last year of what might be uh, going out and touching people randomly,
1: yeah, right a long
3: while, uh, really head over <laughs> heels over uh, someone who couldn't have given a flying fuck about me, so I'm like, whoops, now hmm. I'm learning to uh yeah maybe value myself moving forward a little better, yeah. But say my last year felt like completely out of control in a lot of ways and then at a certain point i was like you just gotta be like all right well some of this is not my fault the things that are my fault a lot of the time if something goes bad i'm really like obsessed with uh what's the lesson here because i just don't want to i hate making the same mistakes constantly because then it's like the, the first time you're just like whoops that doesn't feel good the second time you're like ah whoops that doesn't feel good and can i learn please
0: yeah (laughs) well they would some would say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results like what would you say has been your most insane moment in the last couple years or even just in your life
3: oh in my life Like personally insane. Like right now, this feels like the most insane time I've lived through. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you you believe we're alive right now?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Like I forgot about the like the whole COVID nineteen. I'm sure everyone has. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. Also, I'm supposed to like wash my hands and wear a mask and not breathe viruses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a protest, but also wear a mask, but yeah. also, yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like this question, this question is going to trump people's experiences.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't, It's. I have trouble defining like a single moment where I'm like, this is the great, Cause like so much stuff I just sort of like, let brush by just put it in a bin of like all right this was a rough month or a year
2: <laughs> and then
3: and a lot of it like a lot of childhood stuff uh didn't even like the big like i did emdr therapy once and like, okay. i to focus on a traumatic event that's a target to work through and i was like oh i, I just thought i was like i'm just too anxious and i never feel that safe <laughs> i thought well, they're like yeah but why i'm like Then you start going through things, and people are like, Oh, yeah, that's that was trauma. You just decided to call that a bad day, (laughs) yeah, and not deal with it.
0: You cracked me up with a story about like um, the trash move. If you guys didn't take out the trash in your house, uh, the trash was put in your room,
3: yeah, that was pretty off, yeah. So if you forgot, after uh, like just spankings or beatings or whatever didn't work, here's the thing if. I hate to be at a point where it's like this if you're a kid listening like a preteen and you still get like spankings or beatings uh if they don't hurt just pretend they do
0: uh, don't they, pull that baller move i used to be like yeah. ha 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 you can't hurt me and then things would get wild <laughs> that,
3: yeah once yeah once the physical sort of deterrence weren't working it's like oh now we're going into this sort of mental warfare game so if you forgot to take the trash out in my house, you just had the trash in your room for until the trash man came back. Like if you forgot to take the bin to the curb. I don't wanna make it sound like it was completely crazy. But if you <laughs> forgot to wheel the bin to the curb on trash day and the bin was full, then you had to you had to keep it in your room. That only happened once, so I I'd hate to say that it was an effective punishment, but I would <laughs> would argue that a bit overboard <laughs> <laughs> w- w- would you say would you
1: say that uh the the, the trash incidents made you uh, a cleanly person uh, no. over the years like or just
3: i'm a cluttered mess like <laughs> He's I, a
0: comedian <laughs> and a musician yeah. you're asking too much <laughs> i live
3: sloppier than i'd like to and i just don't it's one of those things now where i'm like oh you do this because like you have a weird mental aversion to like taking care of day-to-day chores because it's just now like intertwined with shit like that yeah yeah so
0: no it's wild with all that in mind do you and i i'm gonna pause here and just say like when i first got clean there was this weird moment where i also had a weird aversion to like cleaning up and I um, I desperately wanted to clean my room and I found it impossible to do so. And I shared it in a meeting how overwhelmed I was by my environment. And this woman called me and she said, okay, I want you to pick up all your black shirts and when you're done, call me back. And I picked That's up all the good. black shirts and then I called her back and she goes, okay, now pick up all the red clothes. And I was like, okay. And we did that for a few hours and before I knew it, my room was clean and she said, You know, I was like, thank you so much. And she said, you know, someone did that for me. And, um, you know, keeping your space clean is a sign of self-love. So, like, you know, maybe just break it down into little chunks. And I was like, okay, I can do that. But that's what it took. You know, in my early 20s, I was like a little wild animal. (laughs)
1: It it would have been great if you were a goth kid and she's like, pick up all your black shirts and you didn't realize that's all you wore was black.
0: (laughs) Well, and the reason why she went with red after that is because I always wore red. Like I was trying to, like I was trying to be a country member of the Bloods or something. And like, I always wore red. And so... But yeah, it's definitely, if that would be very funny, just start crying and listening to Morrissey. I can't no. do it. Everything is black. <laughs> That's everything. <laughs> so like with all this on your plate, how do you make decisions in your life?
3: Um, I put them off. <laughs> <All right>. Well, <laughs> like if I have to we clean all the do. room and I don't want to do it, similar to that, Pick up all the black shirts or things. Like when it feels overwhelming just to start, that's usually the problem. It's uh, yeah. if you yeah. can figure out a way to start. But I'll just visualize like all the things I'm gonna have to do. I'm like, all right, I want this. Like I'll look at the mess and like in my mind, like sort of just imagine the stuff going where it ought to be. Yeah. And if it doesn't, a lot of the problem is. Uh, I still haven't quite got a place for everything. So everything can't be in its place. Yeah. I just kind of like conceptualize like, all right, what do you have? And what's taking up space? And where does it need to go? And how should you do it? And then I start to feel good because I'm like, ah, I got a little plan going.
0: Yeah.
3: And then you're
0: a man with a plan.
3: Yeah. I overthink my decisions too. That's uh, usually a problem. And yeah. I'm like, all right, if I do this, then this will happen, then this. And then it just becomes a flow chart. And you can do that forever. And then by the time you've arrived at a conclusion, the opportunity to act is long gone.
0: Yeah. Or you've made some sort of impulsive decision that like doesn't work. That's yeah, that's what I've yeah, done. Yeah, that's like yeah. the
3: two edges of the sword on that, right? Like yeah. spending entirely too much time paralyzed in fear to think or just going for whatever. And now you're in a different yeah bucket of hot water i guess
1: yeah it's an operation of extremes i'm either spinning my wheels on a certain decision or i just make a rash decision real quickly
3: (laughs) yeah Yeah. i've been experiencing with being impulsive lately not on like real big like just on little stuff like ordering on a menu now i'll just like the first thing i see that looks at all appetizing like i'm gonna get that just see if i can train my brain to Just like small bites. Like I'm bad at asking for help or anything I think I need or I'm really bad at just getting my needs met. And uh so I was like, all right, you gotta start learning to do it. And then you're gonna feel like you're an asshole, but you're not an asshole. You're just trying to have to learn how to ask for help. But I was like, start with like uh maybe when your food comes wrong, politely send it back instead of having a heart attack at the idea of suggesting that they sent you the wrong food. And that's good practice right so,
1: beyond, yeah. the food, uh, beyond the food beyond so, the food and i know this sounds like a relic of a, a activity uh, at this stage in the game but i've literally sat and watched you know hair cut my hair wrong it just sit there and watch them fuck it up and not say a damn thing because it's just like i don't want to be mean but i also just like i sometimes don't have a well i'm gonna not say anything because otherwise i'm gonna be like hey bitch you're fucking this up like there's no sometimes in between so yeah i usually just err on the side of not you know not sticking up for myself
3: (laughs) yeah i feel that with the haircut thing it took me a long time to know how to describe the haircut i wanted like just to be able to assert that i'd sit down and be like whatever you think looks good that i've said that for the first 90 percent of my life that's how i got a haircut well whatever you think and then Mm -hmm. that person has completely different taste than me so i leave looking like what they think's a good haircut. I'm like, I can't back this. They gave me like this David Beckham fucking haircut. <laughs> yeah. okay, shit.
0: I, uh, every time I go to my hairstylist, I'm like, I want a curly shag with bangs. And she says, no, you are not responsible <laughs> enough for that. And I'm now practicing. I'm now scouting a new hairstylist yeah. because you know what? If I'm going to make that mistake, I should be allowed. There's a lot worse yeah. mistakes I've made in my life.
3: <laughs> I have a friend cuts my hair now. Fernando Sosa is a comic cuts my hair. And I've known him for like eight years. It's a miracle if your barber is like a friend of yours. Yeah. The your whole vibe and attitude.
2: Yeah. So I'll be like, I
3: kind of want to do this thing. But he's like, I'm going to do it in a way that suits you. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I need this cat's number. Is he doing yeah. underground fucking trims? I, I look like a goddamn woolly mammoth.
3: Uh he they just opened well, I don't know what the hell's going on right now, but you know, had there not been a curfew and everything, they were doing like the phase three soft open thing where it's nice. one person in the shop at a time and spending a lot of scrubbing of the chair. But well yeah, I would yeah, love uh, I would I'll love to you support info. your friend. Yeah. Fernando yeah. Sosa at uh I think it's fade freaks or hair freaks.
0: Yeah, he's, he's dope. You know uh, Leah look Kajanian, up. right? Yes. That's uh, Mr. Leah Kajanian.
3: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, yeah this I, pod- I
3: highly recommend him.
0: <laughs> this podcast sponsored by... I cut my hair by... this time. Oh, dear. <laughs> this, this, How this does a, you look, look good.
3: It's, it was for my first self-haircut, I'll give myself a B. Was, the the, fact, the good. fact that
1: your hair is a short length... That's all I noticed. I was like, oh, this motherfucker's got the plug.
3: (laughs) Beard trimmer. Beard trimmer and just, there you go. There's a decision I made recklessly. I was just like, I do not like my hair now. Worst case scenario, I don't like it and it's not as hot.
0: (laughs) I get it. I used to be so paralyzed with fear I couldn't order in a restaurant either. And I would ask the waiter... Um, hey, like if the Cobb salad and the BLT got in a fight, who would win? And finally, one of my friends was like, I'm never going to eat with you again if you keep doing that. Oh my God, yeah. that's so obnoxious. Why are you like this?
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, I just anytime anything had a number, I was so happy. Oh yeah, I give me that 12. number.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. What the
3: substitutions I'd never do. I'm like, I'll just pull, I'll eat anything anyway. So I'm I'm blessed right. for that. I'm
1: not, yeah, know. I'm not
0: picky. Um well you guys are lucky Uh, mama broke her stomach um (laughs) what have you learned about yourself that's been the most surprising thing so far
2: Mm.
1: could be a positive or a negative doesn't matter
3: yeah i think that uh (laughs) that people like me more than I think. For sure. Like I always had a thing. I was, I had a, a real like, uh, and it's still easy to default to like, uh, they'd be happier if I didn't come over to this thing.
0: Shut right. up. You're like, a delight. You're a goddamn well, delight.
3: Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but I, it would be easy, easy for me to be like, Oh, I should, I don't want to ruin the party. <laughs> and so i just stay home or something.
0: Ridiculous. And then
3: now I've in the last year or so I've, Developed more of like, oh no, like you like, you can be like cool. People yeah. might think you're yeah. cool.
1: You're a like, you're a likable guy, Rickwood. Oh, don't forget it. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna write on my arm. You just tat, just yeah. tat it on your.
3: You just yeah. go to the protest, and instead of the legal hotline, you would have written, "You're a likable guy." <laughs> and you're just in jail, like, all right, try to make friends with the toughest person here. <laughs> Hi, hi, uh, I'm a likable guy. <laughs> it was soap in a tube sock.
0: <laughs> I had a friend who um he got uh rolled up for a DUI and was in Twin Towers when they had the riots in Twin Towers. Oh, wow. And the he was just this like, you know, corporate like insurance salesman ass white guy, and um, but he had too many DUIs. And so the uh, the Mexican gang members kind of adopted him and started started calling him Crazy Jim because <laughs> he had all these tattoos of like old anime and Lord of the Rings all over him. Aww. And uh, during the riot, they uh, they rolled him up in a they rolled him up in a um in a mattress and rolled him under a bunk to keep him safe.
3: Wow, that's and, so nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like a little
3: were like, panic burrito.
0: Yeah, they were like they literally were like, don't worry, Jim, we got you and they yeah. just like kept him safe and kept him out of the flood zone and everything. It was pretty great.
3: He's in the security crepe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> security crepe. <laughs> uh,
1: I just I just think uh unfortunately this is where my brain goes and this is going to derail the podcast, but like what if it was a mattress with a fifi hole in it? Do you know what a fifi oh. is? Rick yes. Woods.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it might have been, but at the same time, <laughs>
3: the like light that doesn't look like anything but what it is. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> for, for those listening to the podcast, what am I one of the funniest things to be is what someone taught me what a Fifi was in prison. If you take your mattress and cut a hole in it and then stuff a glove in that hole and fill it with lube and fuck it. That's yeah. what a Fifi is. Yeah. So I just imagine Poor, crazy Jim get rolled up in this protective mattress. <laughs> but there's the Fifi hole. Just like, like he's uh, just got this fucking oh a yeah. hole. Like, it's, it's like, like, I'm not getting stabbed, but I'm, yeah. sta- I'm staring months worth of jizz in the face.
3: <laughs> You're watching it slowly drip out towards you. you. Cut to the prison riot, which is an intense, very high contrast, wild, gritty shot. And then you just cut to inside the mattress where the sounds of the riot have been muted. And there's just this drone as a small river of old semen makes its way out of a glove towards your nose. Yes.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: it's, it's crazy. My bad, I, everybody. No, I when I worked in drug and alcohol treatment, um, I went to do room checks. I was checking the boys' rooms, and there was a, a like a um, they call them scholarship clients, where you, these fancy rehabs will take in a kid that can't afford it, and um, they took in this kid who had done some time in YA, and he had taught all of the boys in his room how to make a fifi, but uh, <laughs> out using a sock, not their mattress, so they wouldn't get in trouble, and. Um, <laughs> what they did is rather than um dispose and hide the sock or dispose of the glove inside um, they just left them in a sad pile behind their toilet and i had to go in and be like hey to the mail staff hey nick can you do me a favor and talk to the boys about the holocaust worth of fifis behind their toilet right now (laughs) <laughs> like, there are, there are just generations on generations of children back there you need to d- address with these boys. And um, <laughs> that was a fun time. And his, um, his threat to them was change your behavior. Anna's going to talk about it to you herself. And they were all like, Oh, that she's mean. <laughs> yep.
1: We, we don't want Miss Anna talking to us about our jerk sock tube.
0: Exactly. Miss Anna will come around and tell you like, hey, put your fucking Fifi away. You see, I know what you're doing. So anyway, I shouldn't work in treatment ever again. Um, <laughs> what is your level of honesty, Rick?
3: With myself or others? Yeah. Both. Uh, both. Um, I guess it's situational. I try to generally be pretty honest with myself. Sometimes you know you lie to yourself in the moment, and then later I'll go like, let's let's reevaluate, and take stock. Mm-hmm. Is that really how it was? All right, fine. And then uh, with others, I'm pretty. Sometimes people come like, just being honest. It's like, yeah, but no one needed you to. Sure. Yeah. Like, you telling someone the truth that they already know and it makes them feel bad isn't helping anybody. Yeah. But honesty uh, yeah,
0: without compassion is cruelty.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I, I generally... do uh, that on the other arm. Yeah. I'll be in the jail like, listen, I don't know how to get us out of here, but I know how to get us out of here. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> pointing to my head for the listeners.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. Well, someday this video will be up on a Patreon for people to access when there's you know frivolous things we could put money into in the world right. and what they'll see is that I'm so washed out by being in a garage right now that I yeah. look like a ghost. I've gone full oh. white lady everybody. Um the uh what how do you deal with fear and anxiety in your life?
3: Uh, I used to just panic and then like get <laughs> stomach problems from it. Um sure lately now i've just been more like well i mean what's the worst that's gonna happen it's like i'll just be do what i can to mitigate whatever's bothering me but if it's out of my control it's that whole serenity thing really yeah which it's i'm just like all right well and also at a certain point i'm like things are gonna be fine they've always been fine at least you know even when they're like awful they end up i'm still here i mean you know a straight white guy in america with a pretty decent job right now like it'd have yeah. to go pretty fucking sideways before I could panic. And if it goes that bad, it's either I did something to deserve it or things are so out of my control that yeah. I'll just revert to like taking care of my immediate needs and go from like, just start over again.
0: I I feel like we could play that on a loop for a lot of panicky straight white guys in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, uh, I think age diminishes anxiety for me. I mean, I, mm. I, I don't have clinical anxiety, although pre-sobriety, I could have convinced you I had clinical anxiety. But I think, like, over time, your give-a-fuck tank just slowly empties. And and that's been a source of relief of anxiety. It's just, like, I guess little by little, you just stop giving a fuck what other people think or whether you're going to do well or not. And in regards to, like, comedy or whatever, it's just, like, I care less. I mean, I still care what other people think and I want them to enjoy what I'm doing. But people around me, like, slowly but surely, I've just, you know, through pain and experiences and things that are way worse than what people think of you, you just kind of go, well, fuck these people. Like, I got people that like what I do or, you you know, I don't care as much as I used to.
0: To quote the great Kathy C., fuck them, they're trash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with that with like getting yeah, the older I get or just the more I do things. That's like uh, going back to like what's the surprising thing I learned about myself that jogged a memory of me is people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. And that goes sure. for if you think everyone hates you, if you think everyone loves you, you're still suffering from the delusion that everyone's just thinking about you. Yeah. And it's right. not like no one thinks of you. Like it's just they're not. I'd be like, oh, it was so embarrassing. I can't believe I could never show my face again. I'll think of friends of mine I've known a decade, like people I see every day almost performing and making mistakes and yeah. going through it, you know? Yeah. And I'll just take a random person and be like, what's their most embarrassing moment? I can usually come up with nothing or something trivial. So I'm like, that's, that's how we view each other for the most part, unless you've really had... A hilariously public thing, and then people either empathize with you or you did something so bad that's like, well, yeah. maybe go make restitution and put it behind you.
0: Again, we got to play that one on a loop. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. What's one it's, thing of oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna I just say, like, it was set around like 12 uh, step rooms where I came up at. It's like, if you're if you're worried if someone's thinking about you drive by their house late at night and see if their lights are on and see if they're they're you see if they're they're sitting there getting spun up over over you because you, i because mean, me i'll over like it's the overthinking thing or like i'll stop and like listen to a conversation to see if anybody's talking about me it's like no one gives a fuck we're right. all so self-absorbed yeah
0: yeah it's i was always told it's any of your fucking business what other people think of you
1: that's one of my <laughs> favorites. None of my goddamn business. Just but none
0: of, your
3: business? of me. <laughs> yeah. None
0: of your business. What is like one thing you'd like to change about yourself?
3: Um I wish I was more assertive. Okay. I'm not good at that. I don't I'm always scared I'm gonna like start like asking for things or being assertive and spaces or just with needs or whatever like just want to get on a show or something and then it'll immediately snowball into being this like monstrously entitled asshole. and there's a whole bunch of in between i'm like i'll probably i'll probably be so good at assertion i just pull vault right into demands
1: (laughs) well also for me like uh, uh learning to be more assertive it's like i see people that are grossly assertive and that makes me never want to be like that. So yeah. I, 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 can, I can sometimes be like, I don't ever want to be perceived the way I watch people carry themselves, you know. And granted, we haven't seen people in some months now, but I, I mean, it's comedy specifically, but just in life in general, it's like, you know, I, I've always kind of felt like if if you don't ask someone who's not as funny as you and not as qualified as you is going to ask, and just because there's no one else asking, they're going to get it.
3: Yeah. I, yeah. I almost suffer from the fear of like, I don't want to be considered entitled even more than I want to be successful. <laughs> <which is different. laughs> but now I'm at an age where I'm like, yeah, well, that hasn't really helped me a lot. Mm-mm. So yeah, time to try something different. Yeah. If I, like maybe I'll just do the second half as a total asshole. Of course, what my perception of me being a total asshole, I'll probably just balance out at someone with boundaries.
1: Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, and I never and I never want my friends or anybody to think that I I, I want anything from them or that the only reason that we interact is because I i I need to ask for something. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's totally true. It's um it's always harder to ask your friends for stuff. That's the one that gets me is I'm always like, Oh, can I uh get on your show, friend? I'm like, Yeah, I'll just wait for them to ask me.
3: Yeah, I did. I mean, I barely I mean, I used to when you could go out and do things if I was like, I'm not getting on as many shows instead of just emailing a lot like is yeah. normal and would do. I'm like, just go do every terrible open mic and maybe someone will see you have a good set and you could because that's how I started and that worked. But
2: yeah, I don't want to be
3: the, you know, 10 years in pushing 40 doing three mics a night. Nothing against going out to open mics at any phase of your career whatever but no, I, I'm just relying I, I, on that I want to move past that <laughs> well it's yeah
1: I think it's it's just a knowing knowing when you need to go to the gym you know rather yeah. than overdoing a certain process because you think you know this is if I if I do this so many times it's gonna matter but even assertiveness just in my it, it from for me with with other people like roommates it's like hey you did that thing and I was, I'm like, I'm not mad, but like, I just want to let you know that like, it made me feel some type of way, which is, is, which is nauseating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But effective. Totally. Totally. Rick, what is your experience of forgiveness?
3: Um, I think it's, it's real important to, I guess for both parties it's like a complicated thing because it's so easy to say you're sorry before you really are and it's easy to forgive someone before you're ready to and then you don't really ever get to go back and go hey when i forgave you earlier i didn't really mean it but i do now and i want you know it would be weird almost to people yeah so i try to more so even with apologizing i try to like really understand like why i am rather than just say sorry to get out of some stuff and i feel mm-hmm. with forgiveness it's the same way like mm-hmm. i don't want to f- say oh i forgive you just to not have it feel awkward like i'll you know if i'm in a position where i've had a falling out or an argument with someone and we're gonna have that conversation i'm like look, i'm not really at a place of forgiveness right now but it's not off the table i just need i need to I suss that- through this stuff and then because yeah. it, it should i for me i want it to be meaningful mm-hmm later and me just saying like I forgive you now is just saying like yeah I don't want you to have to feel bad I've apo- I apologized to someone once because I was like I'm sorry you feel bad that I felt bad about that and then afterwards it's like, What <laughs> the? could you be a bigger simp
1: <laughs> right and it's I think a lot of it has to do with saying what you mean and meaning what you say
3: yeah. yeah yeah absolutely
1: was there anybody in your life Rick that you've had to forgive that was maybe not easy but you you found the way to do it
3: uh, my mom, I think, for staying with that guy for a so song, just put me and my brother for that. And yeah, was, and that was actually an interesting thing. This is going to sound like horribly cliched and not the best on a sober podcast, maybe. But like at some yeah. point in my 20s, me and my friend did a little bit of mushrooms and uh, Hell yeah. had a real nice, positive experience. And after that, I was just like, man, you're just going to carry around that shit about how upset you are about your childhood forever? like you're letting whatever happened continue to happen to you by yep. doing that. So I just, the first thing I did was call my mom. I was like, I don't want to have a big conversation about it right now. And I don't want you to feel bad by being reminded. I was like, but I don't care. I mean, I care. I just forgive you for everything that happened with all that now. And I don't want you to beat yourself up about it. Cause I don't. And then she was like, well, I can never forgive myself. And I was like, all right, but I forgive you. Yeah, that's
1: that's not your business.
3: Yeah. But then years went by. Me and my mom were getting into it a little bit last year because she's a great friend. She's not super great at like being a mom necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that really as an insult. She's just in a weird place between like how everything was after my parents' divorce and Mm -hmm. in the post. She's a great person to talk to for a lot of things. But there's times where I'm like, I need to talk to like a mommy. Right? she's always like she was like when i called to tell her my wife had left she was like um hold on a second hey can i get 10 dilly bar i gotta go and she just <laughs> ordered dairy Queen and then didn't call back thank cute, mom and then i was yeah. like what the hell was that she's like i'm sorry i just did such a bad job with my divorce i was scared i was gonna fuck up giving you advice <sighs> in yours." And I was like, yeah, I just needed you to say it would be okay. Like, it's, it's a real low commitment. You don't have to.
1: I mean, did she did she send you a dilly bar? That's, I mean, she's like, well, I was ordering the dilly bars for
3: you. Yeah, I'm like, been... all right,
1: well, I guess the dilly bar will yeah. make it feel a little better.
3: That would have been a perfect save. I didn't get any dilly bars out of it. But Damn. then I... <laughs> through some I, conversations I, we had and I got, we got into a big one about all that. Cause I was finally like, all right, push her a little bit on like, try to get some of the answers you've actually wanted. Like, why did you keep going back to this guy? Why did this happen? How could you keep us in that position? And there was a lot of crying and a little bit of not yelling, but excited voices. And she's like, well, I just can't forgive myself. I was like, well, you got to fucking work on it because <laughs> me knowing that you can't forgive yourself makes me feel like you can't accept my forgiveness and I need you to be able to do that so that I can let go of it. We both have to do this together. And then at, later after that, she's like, I finally actually feel a lot better about all of that.
0: The nice thing about forgiveness is it's not going anywhere. You know, when she can come to a place where she forgets herself, she'll be able to fully feel the, um, the, the just the, the totality of your forgiveness.
1: Yeah. Or you could just give your see. mom mushrooms. You could give her yeah. mushrooms.
3: I tried that at the time. That's Get like, her high. It's like every annoying person after they first do mushrooms. Everyone should do them all the time, everywhere. <laughs> take it easy.
1: Hey, hey, I will tell you right now, even though I am a sober person, I'm a big advocate for hallucinogens for people who are able to do them in terms of self-searching and self-seeking to get to a better place mentally. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for me, I would eat fistfuls of mushrooms and ride the Red line subway in Chicago. So I mean, <laughs> that wasn't really self searching. That was just like,
2: yeah, I like eating
1: fistfuls <laughs> yeah. of mushrooms yeah. and then submer- submerging myself in a fucking subway tunnel that smells like rat piss and homeless.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. like when you become the difference between that person who's using pornography and that maniac who's watching it. <laughs>
2: I have favorites.
3: Like, if you just put on porn with your clothes on and you're just kind of, it's like that to me is, (laughs) unless you're writing reviews or I got a technical thing in the industry, I'm like, this is, this might be some kind of unhealthy thing.
1: I'm going to watch every second of this 37 minute porno clip. Yeah. Every second.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. What is, was that, would you say, was that like the weirdest apology? You've ever experienced
3: or had to give, or have there been weirder ones? Um, That was the weirdest, like forgiveness moment thing because it became this sort of like recursive, like almost like a vicious cycle in a way, where it's like we think we both got to go. It's like handing off a ransom almost. Let's try it at the same time, (laughs) see where we get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but apology wise, uh, I don't know if I've had any weird ones. Sometimes with people, it's uh, the one that I resented once is uh, this friend of mine had sent like this dumb like chain, like he carbon copied everyone on this dumb joke at work. And then I just snapped back with a screenshot of a dictionary.com definition of humor. And I was like, James, work (laughs) on this. (laughs) Because being kind of a little little bit of a dick, he, uh, he took it like he really i think he overreacted but it might not be for me to say but to me he totally did and most of my friends were like he's being a baby and then we were all at a party once and he was like so mad i wouldn't apologize i was like but i'm not sorry i don't feel bad about that at all like i understand that he feels bad but i just i'm i'm not gonna lie to him on top of it when i apologize sure. and then my friend gail's like just apologize to james so it's not weird at the party and i had a crush on her so I was like, "Okay." And then later I did, ah. and I was like, I was like, "I wish I didn't. So now, in retrospect, I'm like, "What difference mm-hmm. did it really make? Like how the, much apology integrity do I have to carry around? But:
1: The power of the female anatomy makes apologies happen.
3: Yeah. She made me sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, on a, so you're a musician. And uh, I am a big music nut. Um, I, I've got my vinyls, and you know I'm a I'm a deadhead. Uh, but I, I lead this <laughs> in the way that I lead it in is, uh, uh, what does your spiritual practice look like? Do you have a spiritual practice? Because for some, for me, it's it's music, so that's why I lead with that to let you know that the word spiritual doesn't necessarily have to be anything one type of way. You know?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have much of a metaphysical component to spiritual beliefs, but I'm not like a hardline atheist science type person Sure. for that. I really, I don't think, I think every organized religion is like some, it'd be like trying to draw something while it passed between you and the sun. (laughs) <laughs> so you're like, I definitely saw something, but uh, you get so blinded by the light, you just start making shit up to fill in the gaps. And some of that has proven to be harmful over the years. Totally. So I don't do a lot of organized religion, but I do try to have a thing where like, there's got to be more meaning than just nihilism or there's nothing, there's, you know, full indifference. Like inherently, right. maybe all of existence is meaningless but like inherently a canvas is blank. So like, you know, it's up to you to fill it up. You decide on meaning and the kind of life and world you want to live in. And then for me, a lot of it is, a lot of my role models are like musicians I looked up to who, like when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the band Rush, which is very nerdy, but like not. not a lot of like, it's not a lot of, I like real candy coated and sugary lyrics about dating and love and falling in and out of it and driving fast cars. But theirs are all just like, philosophy and morals and all this shit that's not exciting to sing about for a rock band and i was like what yeah, of my, this is important to me
1: one of my favorite rush songs is the the, the song about the trees
3: oh, well
1: basically yeah. it, they're talking about civil unrest uh, and using different uh species of trees to convey that message rush is rush is killer so it's and rush is one of those bands that you either you either love rush or you're like i want nothing to do with rush
3: yeah people get they're like this is not for me and then, then i've uh i've bored people with it enough and some people are like really excited and i'm like but to me it was just good there's like uh there's a really great story about them opening for aerosmith when they were a young band and getting treated terribly like no dressing rooms no sound checks intentionally mixed poorly just to just the ways an old big rock act might mistreat an opener and then Years later, Aerosmith was on the decline because Steven Tyler's in rehab. The band's sure. falling apart. Rush is having a moment. They're headlining, you know, small Ru- arenas they're and things. crushing it, yeah. And then the Joe Perry project, Joe Perry, the guitarist of Aerosmith's side band, is now opening for Rush. That's and great. And Geddy Lee of Rush told the crew, you go, you make sure he gets as much sound check time as they need. Give them wow. good dressing rooms. You treat them the way you treat and this is the rush had the same crew their whole career like wow. same manager same road remember. manager like a family stayed and this guy's like those guys were like shit to us back then he's like i don't care do it and then yes. a couple weeks into the tour getty lee goes to joe perry and says how how are things on the tour joe and he goes oh it's good he goes great is our crew treating you nice he goes yeah and you're getting enough sound check and is there anything we can do to make you more comfortable do you feel good on, you know wow. i just want to check in and he's like no everything's been great he goes good Because when we opened for Aerosmith back in the 70s, you made us feel terrible and did none of that for us. And I would hate to be the reason that someone felt as bad as we did back then. Which is the most Canadian revenge I've ever heard of.
2: Suck
0: it, Joe Perry. (laughs) Canadian revenge. I fucking love it.
3: So, yeah, just stuff like that. I'm like, that's cool. That's rock and roll to me. I don't always live up to that ideal, but I try to think like, all right. That's, yeah, that's be, like this be, weird. Being
1: he, kind to people that have been unkind to you is one of the hardest things to do. Uh,
3: you know who Getty Lee sees every fucking day? Getty Lee. He probably yeah. never runs into Joe Perry. Right.
1: Never. So, yeah. That's, that's a, a decision huge thing to too. live with himself. Yeah. A lot of the reasons I, I do the things I do is because I like sleeping at night. And yeah. There, there was many years where I never slept at night you know so it's like i try to operate in that way it might be selfish but i mean the results are kind where i don't like i don't like doing things that are going to make me lose sleep so i i tend not to do those things and i don't i can't numb out on those things anymore and and too if i'm really spun up like i uh, as much as i would like to eat fistfuls of mushrooms still uh, i i lean on meditation
3: are you a meditation guy no but i keep meaning to get into it. <laughs>
0: well, then what are you doing right now in these like stressful times to keep yourself together?
3: What am I doing? There was a while where I was just smoking too much weed. And then at a certain point I was like, if this is going to become your thing, it's not going to work.
1: <laughs> well, so and they'll bring it like, right to your door in LA. Yeah. So it's like, you
3: yeah. <laughs> and I was like a real casual user, but then it's just so much free time and no, like, hard responsibilities. It's like easy to just be like, well, this will be like, I was always more of a, like, it's exciting. It was like an event. Like I was like, don't do drugs to enhance your life because then they're turning into like a crutch kind of. Yeah. I was like, that's the, for me, it was the main event. Like, like I wouldn't be out and like, oh yeah, let's smoke some weed out. I'm like, all right. Like I'm going to eat some edibles and then like you know and whatever that happens from that stimulus will be yeah what the point of it was but then yeah. i was like oh now i'm just using it to like get through microwaving a tv dinner and watching bad <laughs> shit on netflix like, this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't the ideal like all day like it's a magical drug and all this it's like yeah but if you're just doing magic all the damn time, it's like, I need some stuff to appear. And everything's <laughs> disappearing right now. I'm right. trying to, like, you know, make some stability appear.
1: <laughs> I think, you know, and it's like when people are like, oh, it's medicine. I'm like, yeah, but any medicine that you use all day, every th- day, stops being medicine. Yeah,
3: it's yeah. just this thing you need to maintain a baseline that's drifting away from what should really be at the core of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Damn.
3: So, but in terms of meditate, I usually, I just like, I like to sit and think through stuff. Like it kind of might be just feeding the part of my brain that likes to obsess, but like uh thought experiments kind of like, so just, it's like meditating in a way, but instead of trying to clear my mind, I'm just like chasing all those loose threads and being like, all right, well, where do they end up? And if I can <laughs> hypothesize how things might turn out and find out they're not so bad or stoicism. I've been trying to get into that a little where you're like, all right, what's the, like, it's kind of counterintuitive in a way and it might not be good for people who are working through anxiety and stuff, but if you feel pretty stable, you can just imagine the worst possible outcome. And then if you can be at peace with that, you're, you end up in pretty good shape on the issue. Yeah. yeah. You're just nah. Like All right. Yeah. I might, what if, what if I lose my apartment and, this and it's like well then you just you've been in this position before you didn't get dumber you actually got smarter so you'll probably get out of it quicker
1: and i think experiencing like uh, experiencing pain like when you experience like the worst pain it's like emotional pain you know then a lot of times moving forward you chalk everything up to well it wasn't as bad as that pain so what do i have to worry about
3: yeah yeah, yeah. I like little mantras too. I kind of just make them up, whatever works for me. But like last year when things would be like up and down and confusing and I was like, what the hell is my life? Why does this feel so bad? I just would cat like at night, I just would say like out loud, even if so would go, these are just the hard times.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's
3: it. Like all your heroes, all these books you read, all these people you want to be like, they had worse times than this and it molded them into you know, being a great artist or writer, like whatever they were. So I'm like, well, I'll just, you know, make it through this. And when the dust settles, I'll do something different or something good with what's left, whatever.
1: Yeah, man, mantras and Rickwood isms, you know, I mean, and that's the (laughs) thing, like, i wish there was a different word for prayer than prayer but sometimes to me like that's you know expelling you know mantras or just rationale that you've come up with in your brain out loud into the ether like to me that's a form of like to me it's a form of praying and i just thought there's there's no better word than to convey like a blanketed thing than like sometimes at night like the the most i can muster is Uh, I'm glad I made it through the day sober and I'm grateful I have a nice bed to sleep in. And that's it when I hate everything, but just getting the words from brain to mouth to the the ether, sometimes it's as much as I can do and it does help.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I grew up like around a religion and kind of religious for a while and like in Christian like Baptist churches in the South, sort of, and then got out of it. Cause I was like, you guys aren't really doing a lot of the stuff this dude said. And uh, <laughs> it just seemed like counterintuitive. But one thing like that was a decent chunk of a sermon is someone's like, when you pray, you can just talk to God. You don't, it doesn't have to be asking for forgiveness or things you want or protect. Like you could just speak out your, what's on your mind, which is just like the talking cure. It's just like you're doing therapy without the therapist in a way. But yeah. the first step is being able to say that shit out loud and acknowledge it yourself. So like, yeah. like what you're saying, we just something that not necessarily is prayer per se, but that practice I think is real healthy. You're yeah, and acknowledging I, I, your life to yourself.
2: Yeah. And it
1: just, it takes the power out of some of the insane thoughts is to just to make them th- from thoughts to words and sound.
0: my my favorite uh this is going to be a terrible thing to say my favorite protest (laughs) video i've seen on twitter is out of new zealand at the end of one of the protests they started chanting kendrick lamar's we're going to be all right and like there's something very chilling about just all these people just chanting we're gonna be all right and it was like that that to me felt very powerful like a group moment of like just just emphasizing, like, this is hard
3: right now, but we're going to be fine. Yeah, I think language is a lot more powerful than people, like, I don't even think tools is necessarily what separates us from other parts of the animal kingdom is, I mean, I guess language is a tool, but to me, it's the ultimate one to be able to, I mean, I'm not a linguist, I have a friend who's one and just the shit she tells me about it is like confounding. It's so deep, the way it works in the mind and the way it works between people and how much communication is verbal, you know, like, it's like, it's kind of like doing magic or something.
0: Right. What would you say to somebody just like you right now in the world?
3: Um, (laughs) be, you know, be kind to yourself as much as you want to be kind to others.
2: I love that.
0: That's amazing. Rick, you've been a fantastic guest.
3: Well, thanks. You guys have been fantastic hosts.
0: Ah, what is, uh, I know you have an album coming out. Would you like to talk about that?
3: Um, I mean, if you go and put my name in iTunes after Friday, you'll probably be able to find an album and you can buy it. I'm not in a big promoting mood. It's, it's a comedy album, but it was just my, it was compiled from a couple voice memos of feature sets I had at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana in the comedy underground in Seattle, Washington that were just for me to critique and then improve upon. But then all this happened. I was like, well, I might not get a chance to record anything for quite some time. So yeah, I put it together and what would have made what I would have said again into a more sophisticated audio setup at one big show, just as like a blueprint for what an album could be. And I was like, this is, this will be good enough. I nice. yeah, was happy with it, and so like, we called it As Above, So Below, just in reference to the sort of metaphysical saying, and yeah, but mainly because it's from an attic in a basement.
1: I love it. I, I, both both of those places are great, and you are very funny, so go check Rick's stuff out. Yeah, uh, yeah whether Rick wants to promote or not, Rick Wood is a very funny comedian, so check him out. Uh, oh, you have social you. media handles you want to tell people about?
3: I oh, yeah. on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Rick Wood. The O's and Wood are zeros though, because there's more than one of me, <laughs> but I'm zero, zero.
0: I love it. Dave, where can people
1: find you? Uh, people can find me at Yates comedy on all social media. Um, but I also want to take this time again. If you're feeling like you can't do much right now uh, and you're immunocompromised and you can't join the protests, uh, money helps, uh, you know, uh, Going through grief, uh, food and money help with grief. Sometimes uh, thoughts and prayers do not. So you know, uh, throw throw a couple of shekels towards some causes that are fighting the good fight. And uh, you know, we can all do something by even just starting a dialogue uh, from indoors with uh, with friends. And and I think uh, you know, you can take action from indoors.
0: So yeah, I have to say. Yeah, I spent a spent a few minutes today explaining to um, my stepmom that when uh, People, when when property has more rights than people, people tend to attack the property and it's something we have to forgive. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I second that. Um, we'll go ahead and put some links to some charitable charitable organizations in the show notes of this episode. Um, you can find me at Anna Bia's Phone on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at annabellenswela.com. Check out my other podcast, Chupa and the Pod, also on the Unpops Network. Um, and... Uh, this podcast you can tweet at us and Instagram because Instagram let me back in at 12 Q Pod. Yes, 12Q Pod. Um, and you can also email us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want some shout-outs, check us out. Um, but yeah, how we end this podcast uh, every time is I say, um, we say, Rick, we love you. Oh,
1: I love you too. We love you, Rick.
0: And Dave, if nobody has told you this today, we love you.
1: Love you too, bud.
0: And if you're listening to this and nobody told you this today, we love you. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody.